Hey guys, it's Tana. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Oddity Podity. Everyone's heard of the Freemasons and of the conspiracy theories surrounding their underground role in the creation of America, thanks in part to authors like Dan Brown. And it's also kind of their own fault because even though their activities are supposed to be a secret, their members aren't very good secret keepers. But there's another secret society that's purportedly even older than the Freemasons and so good at keeping secrets that the only way they're ever discovered is when the skeletons literally fall out of the closet. I'm talking about the Independent Order of Oddfellows, a fraternal organization devoted to helping others that's also quite committed to keeping human remains in their meeting lodges. So, if you've just moved into an old house and you found the letters I-O-O-F scratched into the walls, you better keep listening, because chances are there's a big surprise underneath the floorboards. granddad was a Freemason, probably just like a lot of your granddads were. His ancestors came to America from Scotland, and he had the same last name as a legitimate Scottish royal family, who are known for their secret societies and guilds. As it's told, he came from a long line of actual Masons, and although I don't know that for sure, I do know that he was very skilled in masonry. He built the brick walkways, flower beds, and stone mantles at his home. And the stone mantle that he built at my auntie and uncle's house about 40 years ago is still in use today. So it makes sense that he'd want to join his fellow stone workers for a little socialization and friendship. But I'm not so sure that the Freemasons were exactly what he imagined them to be. In fact, he ended up quitting because he felt like their hazing and rituals were a little too freaky deaky. I remember him telling my grandma that he was especially disturbed by the actual human skeleton that was kept on the clubhouse premises, so I didn't blame him one bit for yeeting out of there. The Freemasons are one of the oldest and most famous secret societies, but they're far from the only organization in clandestine existence, and not the only ones who literally have skeletons in their closets. The Freemasons were established in 1717 in England. But way before that was another society that was the OG of clubs, a group called the Oddfellows. No one has been able to pinpoint the exact origin of the Oddfellows. Some claim that their history goes back as far as ancient Roman times with our old pal Nero, but there's no historian that's been able to prove it for sure. The Oddfellows were a bit different from other clubs in terms of member requirements. No one had to be proficient in anything like stonemasonry or farming or merchantry or anything like that. More significantly, it didn't require its members to be exclusively male either, which was a pretty big deal for back then. The only requirement was that its members had to have the desire to help those in need. Now, that's a pretty vague descriptor, but essentially it was a philanthropic order who aimed to provide food, health care, and aid to the poor. And for this reason, I don't think that Nero was in this club. But like I said, no one is actually sure when the club was founded exactly. But we do know that it's been around for a long time because we know that they broke up briefly in 1688 when Protestant William of Orange replaced James II, who was Catholic, as King of England, Scotland, and Ireland. The Oddfellows were split on who they should support. So those who supported William reorganized and named themselves the Order of Patriotic Oddfellows, 
and James's supporters called themselves the Ancient Order of Oddfellows. The group stayed broken up for over 100 years, but then in 1798, they got back together, reunited, and it feels so good. This new incarnation was called the Grand United Order of Oddfellows Friendly Society, or G-U-O-O-F-S for short. And yeah, I'm aware that that spells goofs. You know what they say about breaking up though, right? It's called a breakup because it's broken. The fellows in Manchester did not like how the society was being run, and in 1810, they broke up again. This time, the Manchesterians called their group the Independent Order of Oddfellows. Most historians accept the 1810 Manchester establishment as the true beginning of the Oddfellows that we know today. Almost a decade later, the first American chapter of Oddfellows was founded in Baltimore in 1819 by Thomas Wildey. Wildey had been orphaned as a child, and because of this, he became an advocate for the needy, which is the basis for the Oddfellows' whole existence. When Wildey immigrated to America in 1817, he set out to find others of the same mindset. So he put an ad in the newspaper asking if there were any other Oddfellows nearby and asking them to meet him at the Seven Stars Inn. Four men responded to that ad. On April 26 of 1819, Wildey met them at the inn and thus was the first meeting of the American chapter of Oddfellows. Those men were John Welch, John Chetnam, Richard Rushworth, and John Duncan. That just so happens to be my family's name. The official word from the Oddfellows is that they are not a secret society. That's exactly what a secret society would say to make you think that. But their aim was, and still is, to provide help to people who need it. They're a nonprofit mutual organization that's owned by its members. Totally not shady at all. In fact, according to an article on AtlasObscura.com, Nancy Chu, office manager for the Oddfellows Lodge in Corsicana, Texas, says, quote, Maybe we used to have secrets, but these days we definitely do not, end quote. I'm not calling Nancy a fibber. I'm just interested in the used to part of her quote. Since there are many, many chapters of Oddfellows and its membership numbers in the millions, it's impossible to ensure that they are all 100% do-gooders. And some macabre discoveries over the past few decades hint that some of them may have been up to some dark-sided shenanigans. Just like my granddad discovered with the Freemasons, the Oddfellows had secret hazing rituals. This included keeping human skeletons on hand for God knows what. And those bones have been surfacing in defunct Oddfellow Lodges for years. Since this is Oddity Potity, we're here to talk about them skellies and what they potentially left behind. There are multiple articles devoted to the bony surprises that people have been finding at Oddfellow meeting places, and I'll link them in the show notes. But for the sake of clarity, I'm going to consolidate them. The Atlas Obscura article details the story of 16-year-old Jenny Minton. In August of 2011, she was cleaning out an Oddfellows Lodge when she made an alarming discovery. It was a tiny, child-sized coffin caked with mud and debris. Though the coffin was small, when she opened it, she found femurs, teeth, and a jawbone, all adult-sized. She called 911, and the police showed up to haul the thing away. And for some reason, the cops quickly ruled out foul play, though they didn't say how. Maybe it's because this has been happening for so long that authorities have become well-educated in the origin of the skeletons that are frequently found in the walls, under the floorboards, and in the cabinets of defunct old Oddfellows Lodges. 
An article on mental floss tells of an incident in 2000 when a disbanding Oddfellows chapter in Missouri was getting rid of their stuff and decided to donate two caskets to a theater prop collector named Jim Lusky. When Jim got home and opened the caskets, he found a plaster skeleton in one of them, but there were legitimate human remains in the other. In 2008, a man named David Simmons was renovating a home in Wayne Township, Pennsylvania, a home that used to be an Oddfellows meeting lodge. While working on the floors, he spotted something white in between the floorboards of a crawl space. He got out a flashlight and lit up the space, and then probably wished that he hadn't, because hidden beneath the floor were about 50 human bones. In 2001, the Los Angeles Times interviewed Paul Wallace, an electrician who was doing repairs on an old Oddfellows Lodge. While working on the walls, he discovered a tiny door hidden in the recesses. He opened the door, and behind it was a strange black wooden box. Naturally, he opened it, and inside was a white shroud, some white candles, and human bones. The Los Angeles Times quoted him saying, quote, It was like a Dracula movie. The top of the skull was covered, but you could see the ribcage and the sinew, end quote. In 2004, a group of cheerleaders called the Show Me Spirit All-Stars rented an old building in Houston, Missouri, because they needed a big space to practice for an upcoming competition. As they walked into the building, they noticed the letters I-O-O-F written above the door. Intrigued, the girls' coaches, Tabby Ireland and Sherry Wade, decided to explore the centuries-old structure. As they snooped around, they found what they described in the article as a primitive security system with doors and buzzers and peepholes. They also discovered robes, strangely coded ledgers, and mysterious books. One of them was titled I-O-O-F Working Rituals. It was all fun and games until they found three coffins. Inside one was a plastic skeleton. The second held what was described as a, quote, ceramic-like torso that was painted to look like an embalmed corpse, end quote. Gross. But grosser yet, what was inside the third coffin, which was child-sized. It contained a white cloth mask and a bundle of real bones that were covered in dirt and held together with black twine. Later, forensic examination would not be able to determine the gender or the origin of the bones, but it did determine that the skeleton was definitely human, and the dirt lodged into its crevices proved that it had once been buried. The county coroner could tell that the bones were old, but since there were no signs of trauma, foul play was ruled out. It seemed as though someone had dug up a corpse and either given it to or sold it to the Independent Order of Oddfellows, also known as IOOF. Now, you're probably thinking like I am, that if I was poking around in an old abandoned building and found a dirty old human skeleton, it would turn into an entire episode of CSI starring me. But you'll be surprised to learn how many times this has happened over the years. I just told you about some fairly recent incidents, but all the way back in 1976, which was nearly 50 years ago, a pharmacist named David Buchanan bought a former Oddfellows Lodge. It was next door to his pharmacy, and he intended to expand his current store into it. While they were renovating, contractors discovered a false floor in the closet, and hidden beneath that false floor was a mahogany coffin with an ornate metal insignia on its lid. This insignia was three metal links, which is the symbol of the Odd Fellows coat of arms. And you probably guessed what was inside that coffin. Yep, it was a complete adult human skeleton. Now, one might think that this would be cause for a major investigation. I mean, a skeleton in a coffin hidden beneath a fake floor inside a closet sounds like someone got away with murder. But no, 
Dr. Buchanan not only kept the skeleton, he went on to display it in the pharmacy's front window. After everybody got bored of that, he then just shoved it away in a closet and there it sat for a bunch of years. I mean, he did buy the house, so I guess the skelly was technically his property, but I feel like not giving those bones a proper burial is just asking for a haunting. If I knew the address of this place, I'd tell you so you could mark it off your list just in case you ever go home shopping in that area. A few years later in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in 1982, a woman named Marilyn Wick struck a deal with a guy named Larry Winterseller. Larry owned a store called Mayer's, and he needed to unload some inventory. Marilyn owned a chain of stores called Costume World, and Larry gave her a great deal on his entire stock of costumes and Halloween props. But boogeyman masks and pirate wigs weren't all that was among the loot. There was also a coffin. The coffin had a glass top, and inside it rested a terrifyingly realistic human skeleton, complete with mummified skin clinging to it in tatters. The guys that were moving all that inventory for Marilyn were too scared to touch it, so they called her up and told her that they were noping out of there. Slightly freaked out, Marilyn got a doctor friend to go examine the skeleton, and the doctor assured her that the skeleton was fake. So the mover guys changed their undies, returned to the work site, and went ahead and moved the coffin into Marilyn's store. Once Marilyn got her new inventory settled, she put the coffin with its skeleton in the front window of her shop. And that very same day, a cop happened to be walking by. Now, this particular cop had seen a lot of dead bodies in his day. And when he saw that mummified skeleton, he knew what he was looking at. He spoke to Marilyn, and she agreed to let the county coroner examine it. This is when Marilyn learned that her doctor friend must have gotten their mail-order medical degree from the back pages of the Enquirer magazine, or maybe they just didn't look at the skeleton hard enough, because the coroner discovered that the tatters of crusty dead flesh clinging to the bones were bogus, but the skeleton itself was real. Yes, someone had taken a real skeleton and covered it in fake dead skin. The coroner determined that the bones belonged to a woman in her 30s and that she'd been dead for around 100 years. So how did Larry end up with an actual corpse, and why was he cool with selling it to Marilyn? Well, Larry had purchased the skeleton about 10 years earlier, and he'd been told that it was a prop that had been used in an Oddfellows Lodge for initiation rituals before the chapter disbanded. This particular prop was so grotesque and realistic that George Romero rented it from Larry for his 1977 masterpiece, Dawn of the Dead, which was filming in Pittsburgh at the time. The movie's special effects director, Tom Savini, covered the bones in a layer of fake latex skin, and the skeleton guest starred as a background corpse in the movie. The coroner ordered that the movie star bones be cremated, but Marilyn didn't think that was right. She filed a lawsuit arguing that the woman deserved a proper burial. She won, and after more than 100 years, the skeleton was finally laid to rest in an unmarked grave in 1983. Although the skeleton was a verifiable movie star, Marilyn is the star of this story, because when she learned 30 years later that the skeleton's grave was still unmarked, she donated enough money to buy her a marker. Not all Oddfellow skeletons had such glorious afterlife adventures, though. In Bellevue, Idaho in 1999, a skeleton was found in a drawer that was built into a set of cabinets in the wall of an old Oddfellow's meeting lodge. Though the townsfolk said that the Oddfellows liked to hang the skeleton in the window during Halloween, it turns out it wasn't a prop from Spirit Halloween. A 92-year-old member of the Oddfellows chapter in question confessed that the skeleton was that of a Chinese man who drowned in a nearby river. The man's body had lay rotting until its bones were picked clean by birds. 
Then some weirdo either sold or donated it to the lodge. I guess that 92-year-old guy either couldn't remember or thought he had nothing to lose by telling the story, but I have to think that the Bellevue chapter of Oddfellows might be the most odd of them all. Imagine hee-hee-heeing about the skeleton you're scaring all the local trick-or-treaters with whilst knowing that it's an actual dead body. Passing real skeletons off as Halloween props seems like a thing amongst the Oddfellows that they really like to do. On Halloween night in 2003, a police officer in upstate New York took a stroll to make sure that all of the downtown shopkeepers were locked up for the night in order to protect them from potential Halloween night robberies. When he reached the bingo hall, he gave the door a tap and it swung open. Inside was a skeleton resting inside a white coffin. Since it was Halloween, he thought it was no big deal, so he locked the place up and went about his business. Six years later, that officer, that same officer, responded to a call that was a report that human remains had been found. When he arrived at the address, he discovered it was the bingo hall, which was once used as an Oddfellows Lodge, and that the remains in question were the very same skeleton in the white coffin that he'd seen all those years earlier on Halloween night. This time he gave the thing a closer look and discovered mummified tendons and arteries amongst the bones. Forensic examination revealed that the person the bones had belonged to had died sometime in the 1800s, but not as a result of foul play. I'm not a doctor, so again, I can't tell you how they came to that conclusion, and there weren't any details. But in any case, it seems like this particular chapter of Oddfellows had affectionately named their skeleton Hector. They turned Hector over to a funeral home, and after five long years, a local nurse paid to give the remains a proper burial and a headstone. You'd think at this point the police might be starting to question the Oddfellows and where exactly all these skeletons were coming from. But no, it had been happening for so long, why not just let it keep happening? When a Warrensburg, New York chapter of the Oddfellows closed in 1987, the skeletons of two adult males were discovered inside the lodge. Instead of doing a death investigation, those skellies were just stored up at a local funeral home. 26 years later, in 2013, they were finally given a proper burial during the town's bicentennial celebrations honoring the historical significance of the Oddfellows. So, not only did they not get in trouble for having two dead bodies in their lodge, they were honored with a celebration during which said dead guys were buried. Um, okay. That same year, in Council Bluffs, Iowa, a man was caught trying to sell an oak coffin with a skeleton inside on Craigslist. The guy was asking $12,000 for it. Turns out, he was a fifth-generation oddfellow who was trying to raise money to pay the property taxes for the lodge. Records showed that the bones had been a medical teaching tool that was donated to the chapter by a doctor in the 1880s. So nothing illegal here except for the illegality of selling human remains in Iowa without proper identification papers. I'd like to point out that this means that you can sell human remains in Iowa as long as you have the dead person's ID. In 2015, a family moved into their new home in LaFleur County, Oklahoma. While exploring the barn on the property, they discovered a complete skeleton inside a coffin. They called the cops, and after some digging, the original owner of the property came forward and told authorities that years earlier, he'd found two skeletons while he was poking around in an old abandoned Oddfellows Lodge in Poto, Oklahoma. That lodge had closed in the 1960s, so he gave one of the skeletons to a pal who needed a Halloween prop, and he put the other one in the barn and forgot all about it. 
Forensic examination determined that the bones belonged to a Japanese man who'd been between 30 to 45 years old at the time of his death. A year later, in a defunct West Plains, Missouri Oddfellows Lodge, a full human skeleton was discovered, along with a bunch of other weird ceremonial artifacts like robes, medallions, sashes, and another human skull. Since the laws on what you can do with human remains differ from state to state, and the South is wildin', all those bones were auctioned off to the highest bidder in October of 2016. At the risk of possibly ending up as a skeleton in an Oddfellows Lodge myself, I have to wonder aloud exactly how the medical examiners can be so sure that none of these skeletons were the victims of poisoning or smothering or strangling or stabbing or some other sort of murder in which only the soft tissues or internal organs are affected. I don't know, because I don't know the details, but it seems like with the sheer number of skeletons that have been found, as what I just told you is not a complete list by any means, that at least a few of them might have belonged to murder victims. I mean, what an easy way to cover up a murder, right? Just stuff the dead guy into a coffin and store him in your club until the club disbands and some unlucky soul finds him decades later. But the odd fellows deny that, saying that just like other organizations like the Freemasons, they use certain rites, rituals, and codes meant to bond the group together. And part of those rituals involves skeletons, especially during new member initiation. From that Atlas Obscura article, Nancy Chu again says, quote, There's really nothing too creepy about it. The Lodge members are acting out a drama. The skeleton merely represents the mortality of mankind, end quote. The article says that other members claim that forcing its members to face a skeleton forces them to face their own mortality and encourages them to live a virtuous life and maybe not fear death so much. I don't know about that. When I was in a sorority, they threatened to do this to us during an initiation too. But in the end, there were just a bunch of white robes and candles and other weird stuff, but thankfully no dead bodies made an appearance. The Oddfellows were not my sorority though. As a rule, each lodge kept at least one skeleton on hand, or as we've seen, sometimes two or three. And they still do this, although today they're supposed to be the fake kind. But in the past, it was apparently not too difficult or unusual to get your hands on a real skeleton. Several articles mentioned a company called Daymoulin Brothers and Company based in Illinois, which offered an extensive collection of hazing tools, including, quote, robes and ribbons, trick chairs, and fake goats, that sounds like my boyfriend's fraternity, and genuine deodorized skeletons, priced between $110 and $200, end quote. I know this has been really weird and disturbing, and I don't want to leave you thinking that the Oddfellows are just a ragtag gang of weirdos who like to leave random skeletons lying around everywhere. I think they're sincere in their commitment to philanthropy, and their official website boasts quite a few famous members. Various world leaders such as Olaf V, King of Norway, Gustav V, King of Sweden, Winston Churchill, John MacDonald, the first Prime Minister of Canada, and King George of England were all Oddfellows as were multiple U.S. representatives, senators, governors, Supreme Court justices, vice presidents, and presidents, including Franklin Roosevelt, Rutherford B. Hayes, Harry S. Truman, William McKinley, and Warren G. Harding. Iconic Americans like Ulysses S. Grant, Eleanor Roosevelt, Charlie Chaplin, Charles Lindbergh, Wyatt Earp, P.T. Barnum, Red Skelton, and Burl Ives were also members. Princess Diana's grandmother, Frances Roche, was even a member as were Levi and Matilda Stanley, the king and queen of the gypsies. So you see, 
the Odd Fellows really were and are an odd mix. I think it might be interesting to do an Odd Fellows hunt in which you track down the location of old Odd Fellows lodges and search for the skeletons that are surely hidden inside. At the very least, you might want to track down the location of the old Odd Fellows lodges in your hometown and ensure that you currently aren't living in one. I'm pretty sure that I probably lived in one when I was a kid because we were always moving around and living in spooky old houses. If you have any more information or stories about the Oddfellows and their odd skeleton fetish, give me a holler. I'd love to hear all about it. Guys, thanks for hanging out with me today. This was really a fun one for me. I hope that you'll come back for more nonsense next week. Same time, same place for a little more history and a little more haunt. We'll see you then.